0: Way, wow, 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 So welcome back to another episode of the Awesome Awful Podcast presented by The Daily Drunk. Today, we're here to talk about the Andy Samberg comedy Hot Rod. And we're here to talk about with Aaron Birch. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Good, good. So why why did you pick this movie?
1: So I picked this movie because I love it. It's like legit one of my favorite movies from the last 20 years. Right. The idea is like a, a shitty movie that you love. And and I think maybe that can fall under two categories, like one that you super know is shitty, but you like love it anyway and and or love it because of its shittiness. And then this falls under the category where like, I don't I don't in any way think of it as shitty. And it didn't even come to mind. I was like, I don't I'm not sure I super love any shitty movies. And Sean knew that I loved Hot Rod. And so he threw it out there and was like, it's it's reviewed pretty poorly and i was like oh well then then that one yeah i love it it's it's a perfect movie
0: yeah and i'd never seen this movie before which is i i find that fascinating because this is exactly the kind of movie i would have loved growing up and when i started reading the rotten tomatoes reviews i was getting indignant i was like how dare you talk about the movie this way we're gonna get to that in a second but i want to talk about just some of the I mean, this is essentially going to become a gushing about Hot Rod conversation, which I'm totally fine with. I want to ask you, first of all, though, what what scene, because I feel like with a lot of these movies, there's always a scene where you start getting really excited or really like, oh, I'm back in it again. Is there a scene for you that like stands out to you as like, this is the moment where I know I'm back in it. I'm back into watching Hot Rod.
1: So I think especially as time has gone on and the more I've seen it, the like surprise MVP for me is is Bill Hader. Maybe that's dumb to say because maybe there's no surprise to it. But like for 13, 14 years ago when the movie came out, it was like, oh, I know Hader's funny and and he is funny in it. But like, you know, he's not the flashiest in it or whatever. But there's just a couple of scenes really early on. There's there's a moon where they're like hanging out at the at the hamburger stand or whatever, and the and the cashier girl <laughs> yells Voltron. And so he goes up and whatever his name is in the movie, Dave, she's like, Oh, Dave, why did you why did you give the name Voltron? And he's like, uh, maybe because it's fucking awesome. And then maybe like the longer scene that has become my favorite is when he w- when he gets super high and, and needs R- Rod to take him to the hospital. And he's just playing it so like so chill and calm. And he's just like, So if you're not doing anything, can you take me to the hospital? And then he like breaks down why he has to go to the hospital. And then the way the movie walks you through his his little acid trip, I think it's just
0: so funny. And he's got a piece of metal stuck in his eyebrow, which yeah. you don't really realize it right away until he turns and looks at him <clears> in the car. and <laughs> You see this piece of metal jutting out of his eyebrow. And I agree, like, Bill Hader is not, he's not the draw of this. Like, Danny McBride was much more attention grabby. And obviously Lonely Island, all of their people are always going to be more attention grabby. But I was the same with Bill Hader. Like, even his wardrobe, like, he was wearing, like, one scene, he had a wolf t-shirt <laughs> And the next scene was a deer. I totally see the theme of his wardrobe, but it's so understated. And that's the kind of stuff that if you're not, if you're not actively looking for that kind of stuff, you kind of miss it. But man, everything he did in the movie, I feel like was just so on point and it didn't need to be any more than it was.
1: And I think you're right too, because so much of the humor of the movie is that it's like overstated. It's like a lot of the humor is total beating a dead horse humor of like, okay, it's kind of funny oh you're still going like that's dumb oh it's still going all right like now I'm dying and in this movie that's just so often so over the top like hater being a little kind of like subdued and under the radar feels like this perfect kind of counterbalance and is just it it cracks
0: me up I do want to talk about Danny McBride because he's Every I feel like every line he has, I was just waiting for the next like my favorite was he goes, I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day and he was so pumped up about it. That whole that group of friends was so awesome, like they each had their own thing. And they never it just it felt like a bunch of dudes having fun. It didn't feel pushed in any way, like every bit of comedy they had was spot on because Mm. it just felt so natural.
1: I was I was thinking about this so I rewatched it just just in the last couple of days even though I'd seen it so many times if if nothing else this was like a nice excuse to rewatch to rewatch it right and I was thinking that it really feels like this movie made by 12 year old buddies with the like skills of Of Lonely Planet, Sandberg, like Hater. Like they have, like, it's a really well-made movie. And even going back to the, like, Hater's eye injury, right? Like the way he's filmed is like always just from one side. And then in the next scene, he's in the shadows really interestingly. And then, and so then you get that full reveal of him turning to Rod. And it's kind of like simple and dumb and a gag laugh, but also like that's pretty well done filmmaking, right? Like they know what they're doing, but the humor's totally how would we have made a movie when we were 12? Like what would have made us laugh? And it would have been Danny McBride, like finding fireworks in the, in the bathroom and lighting them off. And it would have been like obnoxiously high-fiving each other, like trying to hurt your hand and just like super dumb shit like that, that, I mean, I think that's maybe part of what I love about it. It's just this, you know. I mean, it feels not dissimilar from what me and my best friends' our ideal movie would have been when we were when we were little.
0: Yeah, and, and we haven't even talked much about Andy Samberg, and this is definitely obviously it's one hundred percent on brand with his sense of humor. And like, it takes me a while to warm up to movies usually. And this one, once he went to his quiet place in the woods and he yeah. fell. And I saw a trivia thing where he fell for 47 seconds. Like the scene where he falls down the, the hillside lasts for 47 seconds and it never gets old. It reminds me of like the blues brothers kind of thing where the car falls and it just keeps falling. That's kind of like when I fell into this sense of humor, I'm like, I get it. It's going to be great from here on out. And it was I like, from that moment on, at no point did I lose the momentum of this movie and
1: And even there's like the small moment
0: that uh, I
1: think we'll we'll talk about a little
0: bit and where he
1: asks, where Samberg Rod asks Isla Fisher, who would win in a fight, uh, a grilled cheese or taco, right? And she's like, a grilled cheese in fair play, like a taco in prison rules. And you're like, I don't like, I don't know about that. And then Samberg is immediately like,
0: well, that's racist,
1: but also correct. And so even the kind of self-awareness there, I thought, was was interesting.
0: Yeah, and that's, again, I feel like that's on point with Sandberg's sense of humor. Like, off topic a little bit, but his show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I don't know if you've seen it, but, like, his sense of humor is, it's there, but it's, I don't know, his sense of humor is very interesting because there are parts of his sense of humor that I, like, his crying face drives <laughs> me nuts. I fucking hate it. Then there are other things like, and this is something I want to ask you about. As somebody who's seen this movie a lot, what's the point of the mustache? Like he's always got this fake mustache on and maybe there's not a point. I think
1: coming back to that idea, I mean, kind of this like fine-tuned, well-made movie with a like 12-year-old sensibility. And and one, I, I think I super connected to that. And then two, like he makes the two legit to quit. Uh, joke at some point. And, and I thought I was like, man, Almost every reference in this movie and like the the whole Hulk, Hulkomania shirt, all of them seem just like one perfect, but then two like aimed right at me. And I was like, Sandberg's gotta be my age. And so I like I Googled it real quick, and we are like exactly the same age. So I was like, oh, that that makes sense. Okay. Like all of these jokes are hitting my exact like pleasure nodes because we have all the exact same generational references and everything. And so, think about that. I mean, the the mustache just feels like this for I guess at the time, thirty something younger versions idea of like masculinity and like being a man. And this like Tom Selleck, what's cool is 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 a grown up who can who can grow a, a big full mustache, right? And so it it kind of felt like that.
0: Yeah, no, I'll buy into that because I just we're we're very passionate about our mustaches here on the Awesome Awful. We spent a long time talking about Sam Elliott's mustache. So when this mustache came up, I was like, we we got to talk about this for at least a little bit. And yeah, down. I mean,
1: even that, right? Like, I mean, as somebody who who can grow a mustache but not nearly one as good as as Sam Elliott, like I watch Sam Elliott movies with with definitely like a some admiration and and jealousy, and it feels like Samberg's probably the same, right? Mm-hmm. That like Tom Selleck, Sam Elliott feels like who who he
0: wished he could be as like a masculine stuntman hero. So here's here's another question: as somebody who's seen this movie a lot. I'm 90% sure that there was a scene where Andy Samberg got hit by a van and they just never revisited that. Did that happen? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it just, and so, I mean, technically there's two scenes he gets hit by a van. One is, is purposeful by his buddy, by Danny McBride, where he's like wearing grizzly man suit padding, like, you know, as part of his training montage and then later in the movie, he just fully gets sideswiped by a van. And it's like a kind of hilarious jump cut scene. And then, and then, yeah, just never revisited.
0: Yeah, because that goes right into the Bill Hader going to the hospital scene. <laughs> and I was like, I was still recovering from Andy Samberg getting hit by a van. And then Bill Hader has this thing in his eyebrow. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I, I have no problems with that this is happening. I'm just so confused. And I wasn't upset because it's it's that's just the kind of movie it is, but I just wanted to make sure I saw that that it was this actually happened. And for our listeners who haven't seen this movie, I do want to briefly recap what this movie is about. It's a very simple plot line. Andy Sandberg has a stepdad who's Ian McShane, and Ian McShane always kicks his ass. And Andy Sandberg's goal, like Ian McShane gets sick, he needs a, a surgery, and Andy Sandberg wants to raise money to restore Ian McShane to help so he can kick his ass, which is, oh, it's a great premise. And we'll talk about more about the, the bad reviews in a second, but did I miss anything with the plot there? Like that's essentially what it's about, right?
1: Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, there's like small intricacies where Andy Samberg's uh, brother or like half brother is, is his lonely Island buddy, Jorma. And so Ian McShane is like Jorma's dad, Andy's, stepdad and so he wants to like win a fight against him to like win his love or whatever and so then near the end chris parnell basically like explicitly says this again too as he's trying to he's trying to raise money so that he can like save his stepdad's life so that he can kick his stepdad's (laughs) ass right uh because like the worst thing he can imagine is the stepdad dying before he had before he was able to to have beat him
0: and I want to let's just go ahead and talk about the I, I wrote down some of the, the highlight lowlights of the Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes does not like this movie. IMDb does. And I mean, for a comedy, IMDb does. But Rotten Tomatoes is not a fan of this movie. And some of the reviews, they didn't like the random guy dancing at intervals, which I fucking love that. Like, that's that Come was on. awesome. Uh, they didn't like the whole cool beans montage between Andy Sandberg and Jorma, whenever they There's an extended scene where they just say cool beans back and forth and like a pseudo rap video, but not really.
1: So that's definitely one of those scenes where the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know about that. I like that they tried it, but I don't know. And then now many viewings later, many years later, I love it so much. I mean, mm. I think it's probably one of the more famous, like, you know, memes that's held on from the movie or, or whatever. I feel like most people are familiar with that that moment. It feels like the classic, let's, let's try something super weird and like, maybe it won't work. But if it lands, it'll be one of the most memorable things.
0: Yeah, they have no problem with drawing out jokes in this movie. <laughs> like they're going to go for as long as they can and then some. And most of the time, I feel like it pays off. Like another example is when they... Oh, they lead that, like, there's a whole gathering of them going down the street. Yeah. And, like, it turns into a riot. And yeah. there's, like, a whole bunch of people singing and shit. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I love it. It was just, yeah. it's so out there. Some of the, the highlights from the, or, again, lowlights from the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, they said it's a cheap ripoff of Jackass. They said it's boring. It's adults acting like children. One person said it's more it's not hot rod it's more like lukewarm rod which i'm sure they're proud of that one uh one one critic claimed his dog has a higher iq than andy samberg who who care like these people are taking it way too seriously right right? yeah yeah
1: i mean i think it's like it's like kids acting like adults or something which is like i feel like one of the first things i said was like that's what i love about it was I mean it's not I don't know it's not a PTA movie or whatever it's like um it's it's a dumb comedy and so yeah. in in a dumb comedy I feel like one of the th- the highest compliments is that it most sincerely felt like made by a child sometimes right. right as opposed to through the through the kind of cynicism or or quote unquote maturity of an adult the jackass comparison is definitely feels like a moment in time Feel like now it's it's far enough removed that when I was watching it, it did kind of remind me of like oh this this feels a little bit like when when we were in the height of that. And then I think I don't know if this ties to any of those comments, but it it rem- it made me think of this for whatever reason. Is I was thinking about how I think one of the reasons why Lonely Island stuff is so good is because all three of them are so funny while also coming to it from a place of really lo- loving these things and so you know they like genuinely love akon and and t pain and and these and these sort of like contributors that they're that they're working with right and so they're not really like trying to skewer an acon song they're trying to kind of like make an acon song but with a bunch of like dumb jokes and and this movie felt like the movie version of that where it felt like oh these guys like legitimately love rocky and and flash dance and like dirty dancing and like movies with training montages you you know it's it's like they they fucking genuinely like these movies and then also want to throw in like weird obscure bonkers jokes mm-hmm.
0: too a lot of these reviews are just taking the movie too seriously but there is a lot of criticizing the lack of storytelling in this movie and i mean i get that it's juvenile and that's fine but it's a coming of age story it's about a guy who wants to be- prove that he's a man like that's what the story is about i mean However you want to look at that, that's that's a plot line that has survived forever. There are so many stories out there that follow that plot line. I don't <laughs> know where that I, mean, I, I maybe the juvenile sense of humor is where people disconnected from that plot line, but that seemed pretty straightforward, like coming of age stories are timeless, right?
1: Yeah. And it's it's a coming of age story grafted onto or, or paired with like the, being a classic sports movie. It has the classic like training for the final bout or final game. It's got the training montage. It's got the like, I can't do this anymore or like, or, or like I lost or like I'm, I'm, I'm washed up. And then it's got the big comeback and it's got the big, the big set piece at the end is just the lonely Island version of the big final game in the natural or the big boxing match in, in a Rocky movie or whatever. It's like coming of age, dude wants to be a man. And also it's just like every sports movie. <laughs> I
0: love the last, last battle between him and Ian McShane because you know the whole movie builds up to this, and they they do not tame it down for that final battle. Like they fly through at least five different walls. Ian McShane throws a ninja star, and like it, it's such a good final battle. And that's that's where I feel like. I mean, I I get that again. It's juvenile. We get that, but that final that final fight scene pays off. Like they go yeah. all in for it. Yeah, it's so good. And then,
1: like, I love too that so Sissy Spacek is. Um, it's Ian McShane's wife. And, and I love that, like, you know, the, the people at the barbecue are like, should we stop this? Like, they're really hurting each other. And she's like, no, they do this all the time. Like, just little stuff like that is so funny to me. And yeah, I mean, I think that, the, I mean, maybe this is dumb to say, but I feel like the fight scenes are well staged and are, like, interesting. And then again, too, I, I keep coming back to this, like, you know, li- little kid version of, a, of, a, of an adult movie. Um, but even the, when Ian McShane throws the throws the throwing star right it just feels like oh when i was 12 throwing stars were like the ultimate secret fight battle you know like nunchucks and and throwing stars or whatever
0: yeah that was that was and that was only the beginning of the fight like it just escalates from there like i said they go through they go crashing through basement walls and fences and it goes on forever and it never loses Again, I I agree with what you said about these fights being well choreographed. Like they feel like genuine fight scenes where you have a a horse in the rain that you're legitimately hoping for. And it's like, there's so many different, yeah, it's a great fight scene in and of itself. But I guess the last question I have to ask is, is, you know, one of these underlying themes throughout the whole thing of who would win in a fight between a taco and a grilled cheese. So Isla
1: Fisher's answer is Quote unquote prison rules that the taco would. And Sandberg says, you know, racist, but correct. Um, And then I guess just sort of because, because maybe this answer works better on a podcast or because I want to be contrarian or whatever. I feel like maybe the, I feel like the, the grilled cheese is, is maybe the, the sneakier, right? I think it's thought of as just this plain, simple, grilled cheese but you like so either two things one it's it's like the the perfect food when you're trashed at like two in the morning i feel like in college i made a lot of grilled cheese in like random people's houses you know you're at some house party that you just show up to that you either walked in on or it's like a friend of a friend of a friend and then all of a sudden you're like i need food and you're just rummaging through their their fridge and they're like everybody has bread and and, and wonder bread we're we're golden (laughs) Or you just throw some bacon on a on a basic grilled cheese and 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 kind of nothing better sometimes. I don't know what the connection there to winning in a battle would be, other than just like, I feel like I'll always say I think tacos are better, but then sometimes sometimes grilled cheese is the is the sneaky champion. And so maybe that maybe that uh ports over to, to fighting
0: ability also. I got a little indignant when grilled cheese started winning the fight in Andy Samberg's unconscious dream, because I, I'm like tacos, they win everything, right? Maybe I'm spoiled living in New York, because you can just get tacos whenever the hell you want. And they're just like the catch everything food, like you can throw whatever the hell you want in a taco shell, and you're good. It's a taco. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going to be the, the counterpoint and say, I think tacos would win just because everything could be a taco. Like you could throw cheese in a tortilla and call it a taco and you'd be good. But I don't know if, you, if you've ever wanted to see a grilled cheese and a taco duke it out. It's a pretty good fight scene in this one. There, there's two stages to it. There's like the original where the, the grilled cheese starts winning and then there's the follow-up where the taco literally beats the grilled cheese until it bleeds to death, which, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's perfectly in line with the sense of humor that you'd expect from this movie. Uh, anything else I haven't mentioned about hot rod that you want to so about? the
1: only thing is uh I, I mean I've been watching this movie on and off for you know almost 15 years and and right before this I googled and found a new piece of trivia I was curious a band plays at the end and I feel like there was a phase there in maybe it started the late 90s even but I, I think really in the 2000s where I feel like a lot of these movies would have like that cheesy band and I feel like it was the same band in like two or three different like Will Ferrell movies and I kind of wondered uh if it was them or or so I I just googled like who was the band in Hot Rod and it was uh this this band called Gown which is really it turns out Queens of the Stone Age so (laughs) that's my exciting new Hot Rod trivia.
0: That's like a legit band. I thought it was going to be like the same wedding band that played in old school when they're singing. Yeah. turn around. Right. So that's who
1: I had in my mind. But it's actually, and then when you watch it, knowing that
0: you're like, oh yeah,
1: that's that's Josh Homme, like in a in a shitty wig and 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 a mustache or whatever.
0: I feel like it's one of those things that only Lonely Island could pull off. Like who gets Queens of the Stone Age to play a portion of a song <laughs> at a fake stunt thing? Like that's that's something only they could pull off. But Yeah. It worked out. Shit. So what else is going on? What's going on with Hobart, with Had, with Words and Sports? Anything going on with your writing? What do you have to to talk about?
1: Everything's kind of, for the most part, chugging along. For Had, we just did this postcard submissions. And so I have like seven different unorganized piles of postcards in my apartment that I just kind of read five or 10 a day. It's been a blast. Um, And I feel like feel like the whole idea of had was just like immediate uh, submission windows. Like uh, we're only open for an hour and you'll hear back in, in like, you know, four hours or less or whatever. And then now I guess we're just coming up on, on our one year anniversary. And it feels like doing these postcards felt right in the, in the had ethos. And it feels just, it feels like it fits, although never would have been an idea when it had started, but it just feels like you know, having these ideas of like, well, maybe this would be fun. Maybe that would be fun and trying it. Uh, so these postcards are super rad. Was is we're going to open up submissions at some point into for, for two weeks in August for our, for our second issue, which is going to be, which then will come out in October and will be at least half baseball and, and half kind of miscellaneous Hobart's chugging along, being Hobart. And then I have a novel coming out. My first novel's coming out uh, in spring of next year. And so I've got revisions for that are due in like a week. And so my last month or two have, have, has just been working on those and, and running the gamut of like, oh no, this book sucks. I'm gonna like be embarrassed that it's out to like, oh, this book is amazing and brilliant and it's gonna be lauded. And then most of the time I, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, which is like, I don't know, it's probably not great, but it's, it's good and has like, hopefully at least a couple of memorable scenes or chapters that, that will feel worth reading it.
0: I feel like that's the, like the circle of being a writer is like that feeling of this is the greatest thing ever to this is shitty and then just finding the middle ground where you're happy to cruise at for the duration of the creation period.
1: It's definitely I've never quite I haven't felt that dejected about a piece where I was really sort of like and I guess sort of because it's such a longer process too of like acceptance and feel like normally like if I don't love a piece it's like well then I don't send it out or then I keep revising it or then I just throw it away or whatever. But the long sort of publication process of a novel, like at this point, it's, it's been accepted, it's going to come out. And so now I, when I have the phase of, of feeling like it isn't good, you, you have this moment of just like, Oh, no, like, uh, like, why? Why is this garbage book going to be put out? And it's, and it's like, uh, which I hadn't really thought in about any previous previous book, so I don't know like the sustained you know long narrative of a novel I think can can be that much you know I think if you feel like that about a story collection then at least you're like well no like I know two of the stories rule and like all of my favorite collections really if I like all of the stories but the ones that stick in mind are like you know usually two or three stories so then I think the hope is always like well I, I know I have two that that are good
0: I I love the postcard call. It was funny because when that went out, my parents were in town and I was like, do I risk explaining to my parents why I have to buy a postcard and write a poem (laughs) on it? And I was like, I'll just wait. I'll do it again (laughs) because I don't want to have to try to explain that to my parents right now. So no, that's all. How many many submissions did you get for that?
1: So like they came in through Submittable. So on Submittable, we got 255. Um, I think 20 or 30 people ended up withdrawing their submission because you had to like submit on submittable and then you would get an auto reply with my address. And then the idea was that it had to be postmarked one of those two days. So then I think 20, maybe as many as 30 people were like, I ran out of time and didn't get to the post office or whatever. So, but I I think I've got over, over 200 postcards somewhere uh, in various places in my
0: apartment damn (laughs) that's a lot of fucking postcards uh that's cool though no that's i've always been a fan of what had's doing because it's like you just never know it's like this great moving target of the literary world where it's like you never know what's going to happen next and that was that was right on brand it was such a cool thing to do
1: well thanks yeah it's been super fun uh and it was you know, I I mean, I think everything with, with Had, and and I think most things that I do start from a place of like, this seems fun and like entertains myself, but like, maybe I'm the only dork, you know, like maybe I'm the only dork that thinks Hot Rod is amazing. And then you meet a bunch of people who are like, oh, it's also my favorite movie. And you're like, oh, sweet. Like this is, we're in the cool club of liking this rad thing. And then I think I told Crow, I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like, I don't know if I'll get Ten postcards, or, or like a hundred. I was like a hundred would seem like a lot, and then you know two hundred and fifty later, it's like oh okay, like people were people are pretty into this. I guess that's that's rad. I'm glad.
0: Yeah, I'm always impressed because like I think it was the submission call before that, and it's always that way. It's like we're gonna be open for two and a half hours or until two hundred fills, and it filled up in like fifteen minutes. I yeah, was like shit, there were that many people waiting to submit. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, I think that was Shannon's call. And and mm-hmm. she told me, and I, I kind of like have, go through the spiel with every guest editor. And so it's like, you know, they come in pretty fast. It was like, especially if you advance, uh, announce them in advance. I was like, you can do either. You can just announce it spontaneously, you can announce it in advance. I feel like usually guest editors like announcing it in advance. Cause, but then it means people are already like, you know, at five o'clock in one second, they're ready to hit submit. And she was like, so I, I think I'll take maybe like a, a hundred submissions or two hours. And I was like, Shannon, that is, you are not gonna, that is not going to take two hours. She was like, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know how many, like, you know, got like self-conscious writer about it and was like, I don't know how many fans I have or how many people know who I am or whatever. And I was like, they are going to like, that's going to, you're going to get a hundred and like six minutes. And she was like, okay, like, I guess I'll take 200 or two hours. And I was like, that sounds great, but that is not going to take two hours.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always fun. It's like such a Twitter event when had has a, has a submission period because everybody freaks out about it and it's, yeah. it's over in like 20 minutes. And it's just wait for the next one. So this has been another episode of the Awesome Awful Podcast presented by The Daily Drunk, and we will see you next time.